Welcome to a special episode of Front Porch Theology, featuring some of the authors from the new book, Church Out Here, Insights from Small Town Churches. We're thrilled to host this short series of podcast episodes to highlight the work of rural church voices. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. My name is Jason, and I'll be your host for today's conversation. This is a special series of podcasts hosted by Rural Church Voices to promote our upcoming book, Church Out Here, Insights from Small Town Churches. We are sitting down with each contributing author to discuss their chapters and their ministry experiences. Today, I'm here with two of our authors, Will Basham and Justin Honaker, to discuss their chapters. So, Will, your, your chapter is As It Is in Heaven, Local Churches Reflecting God's Kingdom, and Justin, your chapter is The War is Won, Spiritual Warfare in Small Towns. So we're going to have a conversation about these chapters today. But the reason that we, so for each of our podcasts, we're grouping uh, the authors together where the themes of the chapters kind of overlap. And even though you tackle different things, the theme of God's kingdom in the church is very evident in the writing. So we're, we're thinking, you know, on earth... As is in heaven, what does God's kingdom look like in our churches? So that'll, so even though they're different subjects, the themes overlap. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And I drew the short straw. I didn't want to podcast with Justin, but no one else wanted to. So well, mm. it should also be said. Now that we've got the formalities out of the way, <laughs> yeah. uh, so there is a deep friendship between the two of you, an admi- a mutual admiration, and it would not have been right for you to not get a share of the microphone. Yeah, together. we had to. We had to do it together yeah. I, hey real quick justin i actually quoted from your chapter in the book in last sunday's sermon at my church is that against he like did. our publishing policy am I'm i gonna not, get in trouble for that i, I want to what like before the book was released i was quoting your chapter in my sermon do you have to give uh proper quotations if the book's not actually in print yet i don't know I don't know what I think we put your name on the screen at the church. So you, hopefully that covers us. Yeah, I, I was there. I can confirm your name was on the screen. He was excited to share the quote, and it was a good quote. And I, I was mean, like, "My good friend Honaker writes." <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a lot of my oh, good friends. Man. So. Uh, wow. but, but no, uh, so Will and Justin are uh, contributors to our new book, and uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Will, if you wouldn't mind to go first, just for uh, people that are listening that may not know you, just introduce yourself briefly, tell us a little bit about your, uh, just yourself, uh, your church, your ministry experience, and then uh, uh, we'll let Justin introduce himself and dive into the subject matter of the book. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Lincoln County, West Virginia, and I was born and raised in that area, which is a very rural area. And, um, I met my wife when I was four years old and we grew up together and we got married at age 19, which was very normal. Um, 15 year engagement. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) it was very normal, uh, from where we're from. And, uh, we have five kids and we live in a town called Milton now, um, Milton, West Virginia. And, um, uh, we planted a church there called New Heights Church. We planted in 2012 and God's just uh, blessed that work. He's been incredibly gracious to us through all of our mistakes along the way. And, um, and by God's grace, he's even used our church to plant daughter churches and help other churches become, uh, sustaining and, 
and church planting churches and and so uh, that's kind of the world that, that I've been in in ministry and um, and wrote a book called Rural Mission uh, one of the first books that I co-released with you Jason um, uh, and uh, that's how we got started we just really had a heart to to reach out and write and resource uh, of small town churches and so we've we've been trying to do that the past few years and I'm thrilled that we're bringing bringing our friends along uh, with us now so yeah, over to you Justin yeah Justin yeah, so I read Rural Mission and got saved. And uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, I grew up in a, uh, a small town as well. Lebanon, Virginia uh, is where I live now. I grew up in Russell County. Um, did not grow up as a believer, but uh, came to Christ in 11th grade. Had a, uh, had a massive shift in my life and um, started going to church regularly and and really loved the church even from a young age, but didn't really have any aspirations for ministry. Was not didn't feel called to ministry or anything like that. Just wanted to serve and and love and be a part of the church. And so I went off to college. Uh, got married. Uh, my wife Melody. We've been married for nearly 15 years. We've got four kids. Um, but I went off to college and uh, pursued a degree in pharmacy. Became a pharmacist. Uh, was working as a, a pharmacist for years, and uh, the Lord called me to uh, to ministry. And so uh, I've been actually on staff at the church for about 10 years now and have been the lead pastor there coming up on seven years this summer. So it's been uh, been quite the journey and uh, met Will a number of years ago, and he's been a big brother to me for, for quite some time, so thankful. Amen. I love it. All right, Justin, we'll stay with you. So the, the, the title of your chapter in the book is The War is Won, Spiritual Warfare in Small Towns. Now, uh, I'm going to indulge myself a minute and read the opening part of your chapter. I don't want to give too much away, but I love the opening. So, and you wrote this. There is a war, and you were part of it, but this war did not start with you or me. It started long ago in a garden with in a garden with a tree. So yeah. I love it. Profound. Tell us a little bit about spiritual warfare. Uh, what does it look like? Because you have some subtitles in here. The battle rages on. How do we fight? So what does spiritual warfare, first, maybe, what are you talking about when you say spiritual warfare? Mm-hmm. And what does it look like in our churches and in our small towns? Yeah. Well, spiritual warfare, I think, uh, in certain circles, depending on how you grew up, uh, which denominations you are part of, things like that, it's often either overemphasized or underemphasized or maybe not not spoken about at all. And uh, so depending on where you're coming from, this is a different conversation. But when I talk about spiritual warfare, I uh, mean broadly that there is a battle that continues to rage on in in the unseen, that that there are spiritual realities that we are, uh, experiencing, uh, walking in, um, that influence how we live, how we do ministry, how our towns are actually uh, ready to receive the gospel, ready to repent. And and if we're not aware of that, oftentimes we're walking into landmines that we don't understand are there. And, and so when I speak of spiritual warfare, uh, I, I'm specifically talking about that um, that battle, that that difficulty that we often experience as we minister, as we uh, work for the kingdom of God, and yet sometimes aren't able to put our finger on 
exactly what's going on. I like that. If I can just ask a, a brief follow-up on that before we uh, kick it over to Will. So you mentioned that uh, a lot of times your view of what spiritual warfare is or your understanding of it will be dependent upon maybe how you were raised, the tradition that you came up in. Is spiritual warfare, it, have, has your understanding and awareness of it changed as you've been a pastor is that something that you've grown in understanding in the more that you've been in ministry yeah, the more absolutely. that you've worked with people if you wouldn't care to talk a little bit about that i'd be curious to yeah hear. And, and this it goes along I, I won't give too much away of the chapter but uh, i think when i first became a christian i had a uh, a very me-centered theology and what that did was it caused me to to feel uh, the weight of a lot of things uh, on my shoulders that uh, as I've learned uh, more of the scriptures and, and grown in relationship with Christ, I've actually learned um, all that he's done to fight the battle for us. Okay. And so now, uh, because of that, actually, I'm able to engage in those things, knowing that, that Christ is our ultimate victor, that uh, he doesn't let his church fail, nothing can come against him. And so, uh, in a large sense, uh, my my own experience with that has changed as I've gotten a bigger view of God, honestly. Um, and, and then that's able, uh, enabled me to pastor in a way that, that doesn't then burden my people okay. with being the primary fighter, uh, that I'm able to go uh, into those situations with people, reminding them that uh, Christ has won the victory for us, and we get to now participate uh, as people who've already won. That's good, and that's so important because as we you know, think about this idea of on earth as it is in heaven, God's kingdom, well, that's really what your chapter uh, talks quite a bit about, and Justin's reminding us that there is a spiritual warfare, the opposition that we may see to, you know, uh, God's kingdom being in our churches may be more than what we perceive with our natural eye. So uh, as we fight this spiritual warfare and as we consider this in mind, your chapter really gets at what it might look like for God's kingdom to be in our churches. Could you uh, talk a little bit more about that in your chapter? Yeah, so um, I, I mostly use the Lord's Prayer um, as the as the backbone of the chapter I wrote for this book, um, and specifically as he prays uh, to the Father, um, May may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so God's desire for us in, in our local churches is to be a foretaste of heaven. And um, and man, I think I think if we're honest, like we just we just fail at that a lot. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, who've had experiences with our churches, and I'm not just talking about the Sunday morning experience, but when I say our churches, the the saints that make up our churches. Uh, they would maybe describe their experiences with with our people as as hell rather than heaven, mm-hmm. and um, and so when Jesus prays um, that that we would be um, the kingdom, um, I think he's I think he's praying and he's teaching us that that we are the expression of that on earth, um, and as the the battle that Justin was talking about rages on. Um, the kingdom of God is being expanded and built before our very eyes, and um, and so I, you know, I, I personally don't don't like to separate the kingdom and the church. Um, I know some some uh, pastors and theologians have done that. I, I don't think that that's 
uh, needed, and I don't think it should be the case. Um, I think I think God's people are the are the church, and that is His kingdom that He's building. Um, it's a spiritual kingdom. Um, it's a it's a kingdom without physical borders and boundaries. It's a kingdom that is spiritual primarily, but it has physical manifestations in in our, in us and, and through us. And so, um, it's incredibly important that we realize this. And I think particularly in small towns. Um, the church can really be a focal point of a small town more so than in a city. And, um, and, and really, I think when you look at non-Christians in a small town, their whole um, association of what Christianity is is shaped by the churches in their small town. Yeah, and so true. like we better be doing a good job at this, uh, reflecting the kingdom to them. Yeah, so throughout uh, your chapter, and again, we don't want to give too much away, but you kind of take the Lord's Prayer and uh, and break it out as far as the application to seeing this come about in the church. And uh, it's really interesting. Uh, one of my favorite parts of it is this idea of provision. Uh, give us this day our, our daily bread. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I spent some time just making the case that, that that the church should be the avenue at which there is provision brought to the saints. And so when someone's in Christ, they have every right to be provided for by the kingdom, by the people of God. And so the idea of benevolence, I think, is, is deeply practical for small-town churches, um, particularly in rural places where poverty is is rampant. I mean, um, some of the highest poverty rates tend to be in rural places and you have places where people are living in, um, in, in just true poverty. Mm -hmm. The church ought to be a place where, um, where those communities ought to be able to look and say, um, man, those, those people are, are taken care of, not in a sense of prosperity. And I think that's what gets sold to a lot of small town yeah. uh, churches sometimes is the prosperity gospel of, hey, uh, give, your, give your life to Jesus and, and you'll get tenfold back. But, but not prosperity, but real care. And, and so um, I, think, I think the Bible calls the church to have a primacy on helping the saints first. Um, the church in, in, in the first century in Jerusalem, um, it was able to be written about them that there was not a needy person among them. Yeah. It doesn't say that they, there was not a needy person in Jerusalem. It says among them. And so there was, there was no one in the church that didn't have what they needed. And, um, and I think that should be the case. And I think sometimes when we, when we get so focused externally, um, we forget that the Bible calls us to a heavy care uh, within ourselves, within the church. And that the primacy of care should be, you know, we do good to everyone, but especially those of the household of faith. And I think that should be one of the most attractional things for rural churches is that, man, if I, if I give my life to Jesus and belong to this church um, and, and follow in obedience, like I, I actually become part of a family that's actually going to take care of me, um, even when I hit my most difficult times in life. And so, um, again, I think that's part, one piece of what Jesus is praying for as he gives us a view of what it would be like when the kingdom um, is lived out on earth. Yeah, that was, uh, we, we mentioned at the beginning of the episode that one of the reasons why we grouped you all together, in addition to your deep and vibrant friendship, <laughs> yes, is yes. that, uh, you know, there's so many similarities between the, the, the chapters that you contributed. And uh, Justin, I'm just going to read a brief line from yours that goes right along with what Will just said, uh, talking about the battles that we face in the rural context include many distortions of the gospel, small town and social, small town social and power dynamics, and poverty, both in actuality and attitude. And then you go on to talk about some of the uh, gospel distortions that people face. You know, one of the, uh, I'd be curious to hear, you know, from the perspective of spiritual warfare, if 
if there's anything specific to small towns that you would want to bring up, um, but I'd, I'd like to hear particularly about this. Like, uh, this seems to be an aspect of spiritual warfare when combat combating this mentality. Uh, I'm just curious what you what you think about that as you minister and kind of live in a small town. I think in a small town, um, you like Will said, you have so much opportunity to do good. Uh, just uh, in in what he said, I, I'm reminded this very week we had a, uh, a church family um, that had a house fire, lost everything, and to watch the saints rally around them uh, was not only encouraging to them, but encouraging to the entire church. Uh, it was just a, a glorious picture of the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, but on the other side of that, in a small town, uh, what you uh, often find, uh, like you said, are distortions of the gospel that play themselves out in uh, in various ways. In the city, you are anonymous. Uh, in the small town, uh, you are known, uh, whether for good or for evil, yeah. right? And, and what that ends up doing, I think, uh, it can, one way that the gospel gets distorted in that is we tend to care uh, more about what people think of us uh, than, than maybe what is true of us. And so we, we live out lives that look a certain way. Um, we, we try to maybe manipulate things that, that shouldn't be manipulated. And, and in doing so, we're undermining um, the, the beauty of what the gospel does, that it sets us free as sinners, that, that Christ wins the victory for us in, in taking our sin, taking our shame, and giving us righteousness in its place. And so in that small town, you, you find uh, that people, um, uh, at least in the Bible Belt where we live, they may think they know the gospel, and they may think they're, they're living in such a way um, as to to be in line with that, but really uh, the gospel's distorted in in small towns and and people are suffering for it. Yeah, you know, uh, will, I want to come back to you. So one you know one of the things that we we have talked about, you know, just as being part of of new heights together is so you live in a very similar context of Justin, and I'm sure you would agree with the things that he said about there, you know there's not anonymity in a small town context mm-hmm. for yourself as a, as a pastor or even as a you know I know we're talking to pastors a lot of times and a lot of pastors are listening but even as a member of a church yeah, you're absolutely. you're a representative of your church in your town as you said whether you want to be or not so I know there's a similarity that's there. the truth it's hard leading a church where yeah. Jason Cook's a member uh, people oh, come to man. me all the time telling me stories about you man good good stories uh, right? not always oh, okay well we'll move on then I've heard things in Lebanon <laughs> Okay. Your so, reputation is oh, and, and Okay, well, <laughs> so thank goodness for the edit in the podcast button, and we'll just uh, move along. But so there's the, same, there's the same issue of, you know, of your reputation. And one of the things that you've told me before is when people come to your church, even though they may have had a 
religious background or a church experience that they often comment that the church feels very differently from what they expected or what they experienced. And, and, and that's connected to what you wrote about, right? Mm-hmm. Just the, the operation, the living of the church. Yeah, and it's it's really honestly hard for me to pinpoint. Um, it, it's it, it gets at the culture of a church, right? And culture is so slippery. I mean, as a leader, you want to create culture, and you want to name it, and you want to like put labels on it. But it is so difficult to do. You can't just say we are going to be this, and then you are. And um, and so culture is is really something that's one of those things that's caught not taught, and. Um, and, and by God's grace, I really do feel like – I say all the time that New Heights is my favorite church, um, mm. like tongue-in-cheek and, and joking a little bit, but it, it is. Um, I love it. But but I, I really do sense that, that our church is deeply loving, and and we we really do have people that are – they're very much imperfect, but they model – um, the care for one another that the Bible paints us, um, paints what we should be as family in Christ. And so um, in doing that and creating that culture, you know, we see that care and, and it becomes, it is the most attractional thing. You want to talk about attractional church ministry? It's not like fogs and lasers and, you know, and loud music and all that stuff. It's, it's like, man, I came here and I met people that, that are willing to, to get to know me and care for me and, and love me. And that is like the most attractional part of our church. It's not our programs. It's not our branding. It's not the Sunday show. It is, it is the people. Um, it's, and you know, it's hard to pinpoint how to create that, but it starts in scripture and it starts with what the Lord prays for that. We would just, that we would emulate the kingdom. Uh, so, so, I mean, I, I try to bring our, our thoughts to, okay, instead of just thinking how, how should our church service be? You're thinking too low, and you think, "What's heaven going to be like?" Mm-hmm. And then that's how we yeah. act at church, right? Yeah. I want to, I want to act now, as I will be in heaven. Yeah, you reverse that, engineer it exactly. Yeah, Revelation five. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, and and so that's what I want. When I think of like the first time guest that walks into our church, I want them. Uh, what I'm thinking through is is what do we need to do to make sure they get a taste of heaven. Mm. Um, that they can experience a little bit. I know it's going to be infinitely small compared to the real heaven, right? But I want them to taste and sense and feel and see um, what God's kingdom is like. Yeah. Uh, just, or go ahead. Did you want to jump in? I was just going to say, I want to come to that church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Justin, I want to come back. And uh, near the end of your chapter, uh, you know, you, you made the, uh, you know, one of the sentences was that, you know, spiritual warfare can seem strange, distant, difficult, or even unnecessary. Um, so there may be people listening uh, that the concept or the, maybe even the phrase of spiritual warfare is either not familiar to them, maybe that's just not something they've ever been taught or considered, or maybe they have a background where spiritual warfare is made to be many things that the Bible says, mm-hmm. the Bible does not speak to. Uh, so speaking to that person, this is a new concept for them, or maybe they're a member of a church and, and they're hearing this, they're reading your chapter, and they're saying, you know, this is, I see that this is important, and this is something I need to be a part of. What would you tell that person that's kind of new to the idea of spiritual warfare? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Jason. We, we live in an age of pragmatic church ministry, and not all of that's evil. Not, uh, it's not all bad. However, um, what can happen with that type of ministry and what one of the errors is, is that we 
look to what is seen exclusively and forget about what is unseen. And so that's why something like spiritual warfare can feel unnecessary because what we think we need is just a better sermon, better music, a better building. We need better programming. We need better bulletins. We need better, you fill in the blank. And what we're doing when we think those things is we're underselling the value of the spiritual battle that rages on in our towns and in our churches even. Paul says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers, and no program, no uh, good um, sermon, none of that with devoid of the Spirit's power is ever going to fix that. And, And so when we talk about spiritual warfare, we're getting back to the idea that in, in Ephesians 6, where I spend a lot of my time, uh, he, he says, Paul writes, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, rulers over this present darkness. And so as we think about change uh, in our own heart, in our own church, and even societal change that sometimes we want to see, uh, like you said a moment ago, Will, we're aiming too low often because mm-hmm. we think programs and, and systems and curriculums are going to fix what only the Spirit of God can fix. And so with that paradigm shift, we want to then enter into, okay, what does Paul say? He says that we, we put on the armor of God. That means uh, broadly putting on the victory of Christ and then standing firm in that victory. Uh, as we pray, as we minister, as we lead, all those things. And so uh, spiritual warfare encompasses all of that, really, and helps us to see not with just natural eyes, but with spiritual eyes as well. And rural people tend to be a little more superstitious sometimes, Mm -hmm. and I think superstition gets mixed with the spiritual realities of, you know, you hear like, the devil's been after me all week trying to Mm -hmm. keep me from church, and maybe there's some sense that that might be right. Maybe maybe it's just something we've heard growing up. Um, When I was quoting you, I was preaching Ephesians 6, Mm -hmm. and I I compared Satan to the president. Not necessarily a particular president before Mm -hmm. we get political, but the office of president. Like, we blame everything on the president, right? Right. Um, but it's very r- rare that someone's directly impacted personally by the president. Yeah. So, so it's probably the same with Satan. His his um, policies, so to speak, are very mm-hmm. pervasive in our world. And he's not everywhere, but sin is. And and so we're battling against that um, every day. Um, mm-hmm. But but if we, if we overemphasize it, we become superstitious. If we underemphasize it, we become foolish. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I quote in the book C.S. Lewis, he says there are basically two uh, sides of the horse to fall off on. This is a poor paraphrase, but he says either we can think too much about Satan and his kingdom or we can think too little about Satan and his kingdom, and both of those are an error and will lead us into different types of devastation. So we want, we want a proper understanding of Christ's victory. His kingdom uh, is, is an offensive kingdom. Um, that, that moves forward and grows, as, as Will's chapter says. And, and part of that is making sure that we're not allowing the schemes of Satan, those fiery darts, to uh, undermine the church, its leaders, its, uh, its people. Because we want to be, uh, we want to be a, uh, a strong church. We want to be a, a beautiful bride. We want to, to walk that out rightly. Any author that 
quotes Clive Staples Lewis is a mm. is a good author in my book. Absolutely. Oh man. And that's this is a the great, Inklings right here. <laughs> and that's a great place to end because we have several fantastic <laughs> authors that that quote C.S. Lewis in our book, uh, Church Out Here. So just to recap uh, before we close, and you all can add anything that you want to, Will, uh, your chapter is As It Is in Heaven, Local Churches Reflecting God's Kingdom. And Justin, your chapter is The War is One, Spiritual Warfare in Small Towns. And uh, these are both chapters in Church Out Here. Uh, Church Out Here releases on May the 1st. You can pre-order from ruralchurchvoices.com and make sure to follow us on socials for additional content and announcements and information and thank you for being with us.